710, what's going on? Shannon here. This sermon is titled Reflections of 2020. And it's a look at Psalms 139. And due to technical difficulties, we're going to pick up with a story with me in the ninth grade. I was in ninth grade. I'm like, do I really want to do this? And all throughout high school, seeing friends get football scholarships. I, got, I, I mean, I remember this like it was yesterday. Uh, Lou Holtz came to our school. Anyone who doesn't know who Lou Holtz is, he was the uh, Notre Dame coach for umpteen years, won a national championship. The dude was like on Mount Rushmore when it comes to college coaches. He came to my high school. He was like, we want this kid. He wasn't pointing at me. He was pointing to the other kid. But I was like, you got guys like this coming around? That's what I want to do. And seeing these dudes on TV on Saturdays and remember, man, I'm going to work hard. I remember my first day at NAU. Long way from Notre Dame. But I was at NAU, and during the, during the, during the, uh, I transferred in, it was around January, around this time. I remember thinking, man, it's cold. It's going gonna, it's gonna to warm up after a while. January, February, March. April, I'm like, it's going to warm up sooner or later. May 15th, 2002, it snowed that day. I said to myself, I'm going home. I'm going back to Florida. There ain't no, there's, no way, there's no way. I made a mistake. I made a mistake. This is, this is not where I'm supposed to be. Not my fight. Not my fight. I remember my first time coming to this church. My buddy who played football with me at NAU, he, he got a scholarship. To NAU, then he um, signed an undrafted, uh, undrafted, uh, restricted free agent uh, contract with the Arizona Cardinals. And he told me, he said, dude, listen, I found this place. The teaching is like a conference-style teaching, and the worship is like a concert. I said, that place doesn't exist. He said, I'll show you. Me and my wife come down to a, a Sunday 6 service, and we hear Tom Schrader talking about the doctrines of grace. Fell in love instantly. And so to break up some of all of that, those memories, and I'm just sitting around just thinking about, like, my life kind of flooding over. My daughter introduced me to a TV show over Christmas break called The Mandalorian. Anybody ever seen that? Y'all seen that's a bad dude. I like him, Mando. I, I, like, I, I think I'm becoming a Star Wars guy. I'm not sure. We'll see. We'll see in the next couple, couple weeks. And throughout the Christmas break, this verse in Psalms came to mind. Psalms 90 and 12. It says, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Now, I don't, I don't believe that the psalmist was, was, was trying to scare us. I, I don't think he was, he was trying to, like, hey, you better get yourself right. Right. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't believe he was trying to do that. What I think he was trying to do, and what, what, what I gather from not only this portion, but the verses leading up to it, he wants us to appreciate and to steward, which means, to, to take care of this precious gift called life. L listen to these numbers. These, these are numbers that are surrounding your, your heartbeat. 
In the past hour, your heart has beaten 3,600 times. In the past day, it has beaten 8,600 times. And over the course of a year, your heart will beat over 31 million times. Now, none of us knows how many heartbeats we have. But you have 31 million less than you did in 2020. So when the psalmist says to teach us to number our days, the latter part of that verse really sticks out, that we may have a heart of wisdom. The well-known author and poet, his name is Samuel Johnson, not to be confused with Samuel Jackson. Samuel Johnson, back in the 1700s, was a well-known poet, author. He, uh, he, he was a playwriter. He also was a, a, a devout religious man. His, his, uh, his tradition was uh, the Anglican tradition. But, but he had this, and this, this I'm telling you, this, this quote from, 17, from the 1700s, it remains very true and very relevant for 2021 which says we need to be reminded more than we need to be taught. Now, I'm an I'm a avid uh, believer that we need to be life learners, always learning new things. But we also need to be learning or be remembering true things. We need to be life learners, learning every opportunity we get, learn new things but you also need to be reminded of true things. And tonight, that's what I want to do. We're going to spend some time in Psalm 139. You have your Bibles. If you don't, it'll be on the screen. And I, I want to take some time to remind us of some very true things. And there's three reminders that we're going to, we're going to take away from Psalm 139 that can be applied to our current situation in our hopes of moving all of us in this room closer to Jesus. So as a a map of where we're going in Psalm 139, we're going to look at how God knows us. Holly, you can put this up on the screen. Yeah, there you go. We're going to look at how God knows us, how God is with us, and how God sustains us. Then we're going to deal with the so what at the end. But before we do that, let let me pray and ask for God's witness in this moment. Father, thank you so much for our time together. Thank you for just the ways that you love us and care for us. Um, God, thank you that we get to gather together tonight and that we get to open up your word and do a brief study on how, how much you love us, how much you care for us. And then I pray that we will be moved closer to your son, Jesus, tonight. And at this moment, would you give me the gift of preaching and teaching and that we would ultimately give honor to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So if you would, uh, yeah, turn your attention to, to the screen, Psalm 139. It's the NIV version. And it goes as follows. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit. And when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all of my ways. 
before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before. You lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to obtain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you're there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The light will shine like the day, but for the darkness is as light to you. For you created me in my inmost parts. You needed me together in my mother's wombs. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. So as we take our first step into this reminder of unpacking God knowing us, the first three verses in this section are an on-ramp into this concept of God knowing all things. When he says, David says here in verse 3 that you know my going and my coming, you're familiar with all of my ways, the theological adjective here that David most commonly uses that we know today is omniscient. That means he's all-knowing. Jeremiah 29, 11 says this, I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you hope in the future. Hebrews 4 and 13 says, nothing in all of creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything. Somebody say everything. Uh, where I come from in the Ebonics, that's everything. Everything is uncovered and laid before bare the eyes of him whom we must give an account. God is not surprised, was not surprised, and will not be surprised with what comes our way. He wasn't surprised by 2020 and all that came with it, the pandemic, the election results. He wasn't surprised by the civil unrest, the loss of jobs, the loss of lives, businesses and shops going out of businesses. And so many other devastations. God was not surprised by none of that. If you're taking notes, please write, write this down. God is never doing nothing. He's always up to something. He's never not just doing something. The Gospel Coalition, they published an article a few weeks ago titled, A Word of Hope in Scorched Places. A Word of Hope in Scorched Places. That title can, could, could be uh, re, re, revitalized a little bit to A Word of Hope in, from 2020. Uh, it, it says this, that God satisfies our desires within scorched places 
reminding us that perfect circumstances cannot fulfill us. Let me say that again. Perfect circumstances cannot fulfill us. They can't fulfill our desires. They can't fulfill our dreams. Only he can. Nothing escapes the grasp of God, catches him off guard. Every square inch of all of creation, his glory is in it. Nothing is off limits to his knowledge. And here's the miracle of all of that. The miracle that God knows everything. As one theologian puts it, God has done a full investigation on all of us. He got a, he got a background check on all of us. A past, a present, and our future. And he remains to stay committed to us. We need to be reminded of his omniscient, savoring knowledge that leads us into the unknown. We may not know what the future holds, but we know who holds our future. This leads me to my second point, second reminder, God being with us. His presence is permanent, not seasonal. Let me say that again. His presence is permanent, not seasonal. It just came out of Advent, just came out of Christmas, New Year's, and hooray. And it feels like, here's what it feels like. Now that that's over, let me get back to the rat race. Now that that season is over, let me, let me get back to now what I need to be pursuing, a job, a career, girlfriend, boyfriend. <laughs> Somebody say, ugh. <laughs> well, let me just tell you. He's not, a, he's not a temporary substance. He's a permanent. A permanent being. Verse 7 says this, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. David is speaking of God's omnipresence in this section, that which in the Hebrew is he's everywhere. You can't outrun, you can't outhide, or you can't maneuver, outmaneuver God's presence. It's everywhere. And some believe that, that David was writing this kind of portion as a guilty conscience when he says, where can I flee from your presence? And that, that's not at all what, what David is getting at here. This guilty conscience comes from when, when Adam and Eve was in the garden. And when God says, where are you, they, they, they what? Right? Got, got the fig leaves, right? This, this is not what David is, is, is getting at. He, he's actually, his perspective is relief more than burden. He's relieved that there's nowhere that he can go, nothing that he can do that God won't be there for. For those who don't know David's story, this is a young man who, grew up as a shepherd at the, at the right age of somewhere in his teenage years. He was the one that defeated this, this giant called Goliath. Cut his head off and showed it to all his boys. When David was anointed king, he, he was actually still a teenager. He wouldn't become king until like years and years later. All tents and purposes, David was actually a stand-up dude. 
God called him a man after my own heart. But when David did grow up, he, he did have some ways about him. He, he slept with a, a married woman by the name of Bathsheba. And her husband, Uriah, was in David's army. He was his, one of his top generals. And to cover up the affair, the adultery, the sin, David had Uriah placed on the front lines of battle so that he would be killed in the line of duty. And yet David is saying here, I'm glad about your presence. 710, please, if you don't get none from this message tonight, I pray you get this. There's no place that's too dark. There's no valley that's too deep and no mistake that's too messy for God not to enter into your situation and totally redeem it. There's nothing too hard for God. For every Christian in the room, that's good news. Psalm 1611 says that you make known to me the path of life because in your presence is the fullness of joy. Joshua 1.9 says this, haven't I told you to be strong and courageous for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. In 1 Corinthians 3.17, now the Lord is that spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And, and there are 3,000 verses in the Bible, 3,000, over 3,000, that have these type of verses that comes with a promise. In his presence, it's joy. Wherever you go, he's there. Where the spirit is, there's freedom. Over 3,000 of those verses as a reminder to us. So here's, here's a challenge for you. When you go home tonight, when, you, when you're in your alone time, take your Bible. Maybe you need to Google some of these verses. Google verses with a promise. And then, and then in your Bible, highlight them. To remind yourselves of these promises that God has for your life. The Bible is full of warnings and promises. The warnings and the promises help us to stay on the path of righteousness. And that leads me to our final point. Now, if his presence is permanent, he knows all. 710, we can trust the process. Trust the process that he will sustain you. God will sustain us. Verse 13 through 16 says this, For you created him my inmost being. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in a secret place and when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Now, David, in this section is describing God. Now, God has many names. One of his names is Elohim. And this is one of those, one of those times that, 
that David is describing him as Elohim, which means God is creator. So like a Michelangelo or a Picasso, skilled at their craft, taking their time, carefully creating their masterpiece, that's exactly what God's, God does with you and I. Ephesians 2.10 says this, that we're his workmanship. A workmanship in Hebrew is his poema, we're his poem. I don't know if any of you guys are in here ever wrote a song or wrote a poem. It takes time and thought to articulate what you want to say. You don't, you don't just go to the, how to write the roses of red, violets of blue poems, right? You, you take your time with it. God is very keen, very detailed in how he performs the task of creating folks like you and I. This process, it starts in the womb. You created me in my inmost parts. You needed me together in my mother's womb. I remember when my wife was pregnant with, with my daughter. Well, actually, with, with both my kids. And they, they gave us this chart to kind of help us follow along with each week, each trimester, you know, at 16 weeks is this and 17 weeks is this, blah, 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 blah. I couldn't find that, so I just wrote this down. The embryo grows into a fetus. So an embryo is like the size of the, you know, like your pinky, right? And then it grows into a fetus. The fetus, that stage, it only takes a few weeks. And then from the fetus, it grows into a baby. <laughs> That's my, uh, my analogy of a pregnancy. Matter of months, right? Nine months. There's something happening within, within the, the woman's womb, within the mother's womb. That short timeline is a miraculous wonder of a process that's very detailed and precise. God knows every hair that is counted on your head. He cares about the cellular structure of your internal organs and your external organs. He cares about the details of your facial features. He knows how many freckles you have on your face. For myself, cute dimples. Our central nervous system, he is very methodical and detailed in our overall genetic makeup. If he's that detailed in his care for us in the womb, he will be that detailed for us outside of the womb. He cares for us. Verse 16 speaks of his sovereignty. Sovereignty means that he's in total control. There's nothing outside of his grasp. All the days are ordained. If you have a Bible, I would highlight that, underline it. Ordained. Written in your book before one of them came to be. I'm from Tallahassee, Florida. We have two universities in Tallahassee. Florida a University, which is a historical black college university, and then Florida State University. Florida State actually used to be good. They suck right now. But they used to be good. And in 2015, we won a national championship. And I remember that year, again, like it was yesterday. There was one particular game that everyone kind of had circled next to the Florida game. Florida, Florida, Florida State is like one of those rivalry games. Every, you know, 
Arizona, Arizona State, right? But who really cares about that here? Um, th those rivalry games are, are, are pretty big in, in, in Florida. Well, this game actually that was circled was against Clemson, and it was at Clemson, and had this sophomore quarterback by the name of Deshaun Watson. And they had some boys on that squad. They has what the commentators call, they, got, they had some dogs. These dudes was relentless. Clemson now. This is Clemson. That game we thought was going to be a doozy. It just so happened I was in Flagstaff when that game played. So, of course, with the, with, the, with, the, with the time zone difference, I was at an event in Flagstaff, and I couldn't watch the game. But one of my buddies recorded it. Now, this joker knew the score of the game, knew what was happening, knew everything, and I told him, don't tell me. Don't tell me. I want to go home and watch it. So I go home, we watch it, we go back to his, his place, and, and we're watching this game. And Jameis Winston and the boys, they're doing their thing. Anybody heard the name of Devontae Freeman? Anybody know who Jalen Ramsey is? Anybody? No? Just, okay. Anyway, I'll be all right. These boys are, 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 are killing it, but so is Deshaun Watson. It's, it's like this tick for tack for like the first two quarters or so. I'm over here like, my goodness, we finna get beat. Here are go our chances. So I'm over here like panicking, right? I'm, I'm standing up, I'm sitting down, I'm up and down. I'm, I'm just all over the place. And my boy on the couch just chilling. Watching me. And I'm like, golly, what is going to happen? It ain't Jameis Winston, Calvin Benjamin connection. That must have happened two or three times from the third quarter on. We blew him out. I didn't know that that was going to happen, but my boy did. Here's the point. My life in that moment the roller coaster up and down the, the like, what is going to happen? My boy is over here chilling because he already knows the outcome. The sovereignty of God for Christians in the room, we already know the outcome. We know what the end score is going to be. We know what the end results are going to be. We don't have to worry. He's in control. Romans 8.28 says this, for we know that all things work together for good for those who love the Lord and who were called according to his purposes. God works all things for good. In spite of what happened in 2020, 17, when we're entering to the unknown of 2021, we can relax. We know the results. He's working it out for our good. From the womb to the tomb and everything in between, God has a plan for us and a purpose for us. A plan to prosper us, not to harm us, to give us a hope in the future. Trust the process. So what does this mean for us? I'm going to invite the band to come back up. Well, I, I shared that, that, that quote with you. I want to share it again. That people need to be reminded more than they are instructed. Well, let me remind you of some, some things, again, that you probably already know. 
But my, my prayer is that they would really sink into the depths of your heart and soul. The all-knowing, the ever-present, the sovereign God who authored life and sustained it with a word, he desires to be with you, to meet you, and to carry you through the unknown. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not in your own understanding. In all of your ways acknowledge him. And he will make your path straight. As we enter into a time of prayer, let's just remember this. God loves you. He is for you. He is with you, and he will sustain you. I'm going to pray for us, and we'll enter into some worship. Father, thank you so much for our time tonight. Thank you for a beautiful reminder of how you love us, how you're with us, and how you will sustain us. Father, I pray that for those who are in the room who are wrestling with their faith and trying to figure out where they are in this walk of life with you, would you meet them? Would you gather their emotions, their heart, their soul to the palm of your hand? And God, would you pour out your spirit? Would you remove the heart of stone and replace it with a heart of flesh? turning darkness to light and making the unknown a joy to pursue. Father, would you be with our, our friend Corey and his wife, Crystal? We're asking that, Jesus, you would bring healing, restoration, and then above all else, God, let your will be done. Father, we love you. We thank you. In your name we pray.